Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. Nashville, Tennessee, our broadcast location. And if you're listening across the great network, we appreciate you. We're going to get you through your Monday faster. Plenty to talk about. We've got SEC Mike. Mike Bratton will join us a bit later in today's show. Looking forward to breaking down the bowl games with him and the matchups across the Southeastern Conference and more. Plenty of storylines with the transfer portal. We'll hit you with those big names today as it is now wide open for the next 45 days. Week 13 across the NFL. We saw the Bengals take down the Chiefs and much more. Quarterback injuries, the storyline today across the league. And across college football, we've got a college football playoff. Plus, the New Year's Six that looks pretty good. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. We've got so many stories to get into from over the weekend. Uh, it was not a light weekend. A lot of things went down. But, but <laughs> plenty, plenty of football. And it, what's crazy is the results of the conference championships really aren't the storyline today. You know, it's like how quickly we move on to the matchups of of the bowls, of the uh, playoff now, and the job that the committee did. And that's where we'll start with the, the top headlines on this Monday. We'll call it 6 and 360, where we'll roll through the top six headlines from the weekend. And it starts with the college football playoff. Georgia and Ohio State will meet in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Meanwhile, Michigan takes on TCU. I like the fact that the committee has said that they're, they're, they're not following this rule, but they're following this rule. And I alluded to it last week. They're not giving you the, the rematch immediately between Ohio State and Michigan in this. TCU lost and don't move, they don't move because they don't want a rematch in the semis. They'd rather have the rematch for the national championship, even for a rivalry that's never met outside of the regular season, Michigan and Ohio State. Georgia and Ohio State have played only one time, and that was back in 1992. Meanwhile, we will see Michigan and TCU face off for the first time. And watching all of these games play out. Chad, I have a bigger appreciation for Michigan and Georgia than I did a week ago, and only because I think I'm, I've been overlooking them to that point. Yeah, it, I really was sort of a, and then there were two yeah. when it comes to who's dominant in college football, right? And it's Georgia and Michigan um, at, because they completed that undefeated season. TCU loses in overtime in the conference championship game, but this is the right four. Oh, with yes. these four, yes. with Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State in the college football playoff. Hutton, Deion Sanders to Colorado. They make the splash. They hire Coach Prime. And how about the, the introduction, his intro to the team, where he's like, hey, guys, uh, I, packed, I, didn't, I packed an overnight suitcase. Uh, when I come back, if you want to hit the portal, go ahead and hit the portal because you can make room for me. Because I'm bringing other dudes in here. And by the way, this is your quarterback. And he points to his son, Shadur. He's going to earn it, he said. Um, what an entrance there. I, this is one of those boomer bus hires. 
I'm kind of surprised he took the job, honestly. I thought he would try to aim higher than Colorado, and he's saying he's going to win. I don't doubt him. I think he's going to recruit great. It's going to take some time, but the portal's going to help him, and he will get players there. You agree? Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's a guy that's going to immediately make a splash by going in and saying, I've got my luggage. You know, you can pack yours if you've got a problem. What do you think about that? He's going to turn things around. Hit the portal. I love it. I mean, there's nothing politically correct with kids today about that. About, hey, my my son's going to be the quarterback, by the way. But those guys have done nothing but lose. Yeah, they were 1-11. So, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I I like it. I do wonder what they're thinking as they're sitting there listening to him talk. I mean, why even speak to the team if you're <laughs> if you don't want them there? You're wasting your time if you're Deion Sanders. Prime, Coach Prime, with the Buffs. Uh, Jimmy G out for the season, broken ankle, suffered yesterday in the win over the Dolphins. Chad, this was uh, it, it, was this too good to be true? The the swan song season for Jimmy G. They're now eight and four. They had won four in a row, now five in a row, but they lose their quarterback that wins much more than he loses. So Jimmy G, what's too good to be true is him staying healthy. And this is just an unfortunate part of his entire career. Yes. He's, he's made of glass. I mean, the guy cannot stay on the field, and that's been a constant issue. And he's had a nice career uh, in spite of it. When he's been given the opportunity, he was doing a really nice job this year with that 49ers team. But he's out, and to me now the story is Brock Purdy looked great to be Mr. Irrelevant he had a true savvy about himself in that game. Knew the offense well, ran it well. I thought they were done in this game against a really good Dolphins team. And instead, Brock Purdy has a really good game. And at least for one day in relief, looks like he could do the job for a 49ers team that doesn't need a ton from their quarterback, which is remarkable in today's NFL. The way they play offense with that short passing game and the way they play defense, they don't need a lot. McCaffrey and Debo Samuel to go along with other weapons. And, I mean, he, think about the trust here from Shanahan with Brock Purdy. He comes off the bench. Um, not mu- not many reps last week. They tipped 37 passes. Now, albeit short passes, but he passes for 210 yards, two touchdowns. The key is, though, he's not turning the football over. And the San Francisco defense can get the ball back for you. Yeah. And that's, that's a winning formula. And it leads to Baker Mayfield. Yes. Baker Mayfield has asked for his release. He has been released by the Carolina Panthers. And, Chad, the, the topic immediately is, will San Francisco try to claim him off waivers? They should. Immediately, my thought was when I saw the story that, that Baker Mayfield was getting cut by Carolina, boy, this is really good timing for San Francisco and for Baker Mayfield. He should clear waivers. And if that happens, I think the 49ers should sign him as just not a Hail Mary where you're going to bring him in and expect to start, but... You get him up to speed with the offense. Christian McCaffrey, granted, not a quarterback. He came in in one week, and he was ready to go for the 49ers. And if something happens with Brock Purdy or he starts to become ineffective, at least you have a veteran guy who started in the playoffs to go to at some point. So I think that's a great move for him. Hutton, in Houston, it was all about defense and not Deshaun Watson. Two defensive touchdowns, a special teams touchdown, and that allowed the Texans... Uh, to to be snuffed out in the fourth quarter, really. But this was a tight game. You know, it was what what seven to five at halftime of this game. Watson didn't look good, and it looked similar to the three snaps he took in the preseason—just rough, uh, out of sync. 
And that's what the rest of the stretch of the season is about now for the Browns. They've got to get their quarterback, if we're just talking on the field, get their quarterback in sync and in rhythm with the rest of this offense and find out where you build around him now for your fully guaranteed deal. And I think it's also important for Stefanski's just making sure that you're building for the future and not showing that you're inept with your franchise quarterback now. Because now Watson has the NBA-type power. I've said this. Very few players in the league do. But a guy that has $230-plus million fully guaranteed has the NBA player power over the coach if you really think about the dynamic and structure there. And I'm not saying there's any riff by any means, but Stefanski's got to get the offense going, and it's been holding them back so far. Yeah, and he threw the ball to Jalen Petrie like he was the intended receiver one time on, on a pick. Yeah. Really bad day uh, for Deshaun Watson. Um, U.S. men's national team, they lose to the Netherlands 3-1 to one on Saturday morning. Um, I had to go coach my daughter's basketball game, but I feel like I saw all I needed to see when it was one nothing so quickly. I was watching in this match, and, and Pulisic missed that opportunity early. Yeah, and it just it felt deflating at that point, and in fact, it was. I, it, it felt like the better team won. We know that, but but also like even I think with U.S.'s best performance that on Saturday, watching it here, sixty people. I don't think you're losing to that Dutch team. I think it was a very clinical performance. That's how I would describe it from the Netherlands. Yeah, and, there, and by the way, the stadium was loud for the U.S. There Did you was, hear that? yeah, there was a moment there, and I recorded, went back and watched it, where it's two to one, and then the Americans were on the the attack. I think it was about a seven or eight minute stretch where it was two to one before the Netherlands scored to go up three one, and then it's completely over. But it did feel like they were on equal footing for that goal and then the push for six or seven minutes after. And then Netherlands just shows how much more talented they are. Yeah. And they go and score, and they're on to the quarterfinals. A great showing, though, for the United States at the World Cup. Uh, you can hit us up on social at Outkick360. Uh, big story in the NFL, aside from the quarterback injuries, Lamar Jackson, by the way, day-to-day with his knee issue, he's unlikely to play this coming week. And... That's a factor because, Chad, here are the Cincinnati Bengals of the AFC North. And again, the, the, the Ravens held on 10-9 over the Broncos yesterday. That's a key win for them because the Cincinnati Bengals refused to lose. And they are hitting their stride just as they did a year ago. Uh, yesterday, beating the, the Chiefs 27-24. Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon is coming back soon off of concussion protocol. But Samaje Pirine... Back-to-back weeks of dynamic performances out of the backfield for him. And defensively, they do a really good job of just staying sound against dynamic offenses. And it wasn't as much about what the Chiefs did as much as what the the Bengals were capable of. The very rare fumble by Travis Kelsey in the fourth quarter where KC led 24-20. I know there were some special teams miscues as well, but this is more about the Bengals who right now seem to be the team to beat in the AFC. And they're not even leading their division. Well, they're 3-0 and against the Chiefs this year alone so far with that last regular season week, then the AFC Championship game, and, and now this game. Uh, incredibly impressed the last two weeks, really, with Cincinnati. Going on the road and beating the Titans, who they beat last year to start the playoff run. Um, at home, beating the Chiefs, but allowing only one sack to each of those opponents. And they got ransacked in the playoffs a year ago. At least Joe Burrow did because they could not protect him. Starting with that Titans game in the playoffs, that was the most impressive thing to me is 
they really elevated that offensive line, and they're playing at an extremely high level. And Joe Burrow with that third and 11 completion to T. Higgins mm. is just incredible. I also thought, uh, I, I think it may have been Chris Jones, but whoever it was for the Chiefs that slowed up, they, they thought he didn't have the ball for a second or something, really affected that play. But regardless, terrific play by Joe Burrow. The Chiefs, ha- I mean, the Bengals have the Chiefs number right now. It's plain and simple to yeah, me. Yeah, and I, I don't think you want to play Cincinnati if you're any team right now in the AFC. The way they're playing currently. And they're going to get better. I mean, again, Mixon's coming back, but they found a role for P. Ryan too. And Chase, and the, the, the whole offensive group, Chad, is just so talented. And then defensively, they just make... They find the one, two, three plays a game that are crucial in figuring out how to get the football back for Burrow and company to go take a lead. You know, again, the rare fumble where Kelsey's fighting for extra yardage that he really doesn't need, gets the football back, and again, it it ends up being a fourth-quarter game, and Cincinnati, with Burrow, they believe in everything they're doing there. Yeah, it's they. They think they belong, and and they do belong. Have, I mean, they're, they're the they're the reigning. That that's what I honestly I forgot this. I'll put the blame on myself too. Yeah, everyone has. It was easy to forget that they're the reigning AFC champion. Everyone has though, because they started zero and two, and I got lulled to sleep by that zero and two start. Yeah, and I'm thinking, oh boy, after that first week against Cleveland, they still can't protect Joe Burrow. It's not going to be that. They're gonna they're gonna have that. We see it all the time. The team that loses the Super Bowl the next year takes a step back. Well, at 0-2, the Cincinnati's that team that's going to take that step back. They've done nothing but improve. They just knocked off two playoff teams, one that everyone's expecting to be in the AFC Championship game in Kansas City in back-to-back weeks. I'll say it. Cincinnati might be the team to beat, even ahead of Buffalo, if this thing continues down this path where they're getting that much better and if they can protect Joe Burrow, plus getting Jamar Chase back yesterday is going to only be bigger and bigger for this team. Now, the biggest questions for them came whenever they lost to the Browns because they a couple of weeks prior to the Cleveland game, they lost to Baltimore, 19-17, I think was the final score. And then two weeks later, they lose, not just lose to the Browns, blown out by Cleveland. And you're looking going, man, the inconsistency here, is that going to really show through as you start to look ahead to their rest of the schedule? Because they had uh, a game in Pittsburgh, followed by, I think, Carolina, but then they went through that gauntlet where they faced the Titans and the Chiefs, and now they've got the Browns again on the backside of this in Watson's second game. Uh, But yeah, I mean, right now they are the class of the AFC based on how they're playing and the consistency they're in and and their belief. They, They... they truly thought they were going in and beating the Chiefs again, and they're right. They should. Um, Chad, in the NFC side, Philadelphia. Phenomenal performance yesterday by Jalen Hurts. Back-to-back weeks. He's the MVP favorite right now, and it's no fault of Patrick Mahomes. It's just the versatility and the dynamic play of Hurts that has him atop the league right now. A week after, he rushed for 160 of the 363 yards against Green Bay in primetime. He turns around and throws for 360 yards, 380 yards against the the Titans secondary that had been okay against a pass rush that has shown up throughout the season on a consistent basis that hasn't been there recently. But yesterday, they the Titans were helpless against this offense. Hurts can beat you in so many different ways. And yesterday, he hit all the layups and then hit the bombs too. 
and the Titans were toast. Yeah, A.J. Brown exacted his vengeance. It's the rare case of he got exactly what he wanted in this deal. When he started to hold out and started to complain about his contract, he got all the money and then some that he wanted. He got it from a better team in the Philadelphia Eagles. His team is clearly superior to his former team, the Tennessee Titans. And he went out there and added every bit of insult and injury to that by, one, injuring Christian Fulton because he faked him out so badly, and the guy tears his groin on the play, who's the Titans' top corner. Why? Because they swung and missed on Caleb Farley. So he injured a player by juking him. You don't see that every day. He scores a touchdown on that play after knocking him to the ground. Wasn't called offensive pass interference. Don't know why. Don't pretend to know why they never call offensive pass interference. But on top of that, the second one is a touchdown against Trey Avery where he's in great position. And what does he do? He does an A.J. Brown. That's what great receivers do. Yeah. This is what he, he did a year ago to the 49ers. He single-handedly won a game for the Titans. They didn't need him to single-handedly do anything in this game because they're far superior to the Titans, and they whipped them in Philly. In Philadelphia, by the way, every time they've ever been 10-1, and one, they've either played for or won an NFL championship. That team now is 11-1. and one. They're great. Titans are left with a lot of question marks. And the biggest thing that jumped out to me in this game from the Titans' perspective is the lack of Caleb Farley who's a first-round pick with this team. Trey Avery should not have to be out there on an island. Yep, I a, agree. Against A.J. Brown in any, under any circumstance. And that's where he was left yesterday because of some bad draft picks. Um, and the Titans can't run the ball right now. Offensive line bad. Derrick Henry really isn't doing anything to elevate with that, but he, does, he has no room to run. Yeah, they're, they're trending in the opposite direction. We just mentioned the Bengals in the AFC. The Titans are going in the opposite direction right now at 7-5. and five. They're... They're not of, of any threat to lose their division and lose their playoff spot, but they're not a team that you're buying right now. Meanwhile, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo didn't play this uh, play yesterday, and they benefit greatly. I mean, those are the teams. Those are the class of the AFC right now. And, Chad, more evidence that, that Philadelphia is a true, legit Super Bowl contender. What do you do against the top defenses when you face them? This is a Titans defense that had allowed 20 or fewer points against eight consecutive opponents. And Philly put up 21 in the first quarter. Uh, first half, excuse me. So that, that's, that's a marquee team that can, again, you, you shut down one area, they take advantage with a different spot on the field. And not many teams can do that. Philly's legit. Run and gun. Fast break. They're 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 every bit as good as uh, I mean. Look, if you're if you're trying to say who's going to win from the NFC right now, who who's the teams? I I'm looking. We're going to get into the Sunday night football game. I, I'm really not looking much past the NFC East. Cowboys and yeah. that defense of Michael and, and Parsons and, and Minnesota. We should throw Minnesota in there because Min- Minnesota, sure. But I I really think it is the top of the NFC East: Eagles, Cowboys. Then I'm putting Minnesota behind them in, in that group that could very well win a Super Bowl this year. Hit us up at Outkick360. Coming up, we take a look at the college football playoff, the bowl matchups, New Year's Six, and we will discuss the championship games from the, the, this past weekend and how it all shaped what we're going to face and, and witness. And What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Bet on. Over the next uh, month or so, it's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. The top programs showed their dominance this past weekend, and meanwhile, the teams that are on the rise hit some roadblocks. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Chad, the Power Five Conference uh, championships played out, and the big takeaways for me, number one, Utah, I mean, we just got done talking about the Bengals and the Chiefs. Utah's number against USC is evident with the way they play and, and execute against the Trojans on Friday night. And also, TCU in, in Kansas State lived up to every expectation. The Horned Frogs continue to live life on the edge of a cliff. And in this case, they, they end up losing. I also think, based on the way that uh, the, the overtime played out, I think Sonny Dykes knew he was in the playoffs. So he, he was a, I won't say win-win, because you want to win the championship, but also you roll the dice there, and if you end up winning, great. If not, you're still in the playoff. Yeah, I think the only thing that would have even come close to putting them in jeopardy of even dropping to number four or out of the playoff would be a two, three touchdown loss in that championship game to Kansas State because they had already beaten K-State. It was a rematch game. They were 12-0 and playing for a conference championship. I always felt pretty secure that TCU would remain in the, in the top four, one way or the other, and that Alabama had no chance, even though that was all the talk. And we got to talk about Nick Saban just out there on every single network possible petitioning for his team, which I thought is utterly ridiculous that he's allowed that platform, quite frankly, to do that uh, with a college football playoff committee out there. But either way, let's start with the start of this weekend. Utah just smacked USC physically in that game. You want to talk about a wake-up call for Lincoln Riley and what he needs to truly win a championship? It is line play. I mean, they have got to get bigger, more aggressive, tougher on both lines of scrimmage. He did a great job in year one with USC, bringing a lot of new guys, yeah. a lot of new talent. And uh, Caleb Williams is a great player. Unfortunately, he gets injured on that highlight reel run where most thought, Hutton, that, hey, here's a guy winning the Heisman Trophy with that run because now they're going to go on and win after the great start. Tweaks his hamstring on that run, though. Doesn't play as well the rest of the game. He's still putting expletives to the team he's playing on his fingernails for whatever reason. But I was really impressed with Utah. That, that is a, that's a program-type win for Kyle Whittingham where they played their style 
and were able to win a Pac-12 championship. I mean, where is Utah if they just if they just travel that physical style to Gainesville in Week One? You know, they didn't they didn't fall down, you know, drastically after that loss. But man, they the way they worked themselves back up and in the mix against you know, I know they lost some games here, but Chad, this is a, a Utah team that I feel like is among the best in the country if we're just listing one through six right now. And it, it's because their their run game, dominant, 223 yards rushing against the Trojans. They held SC to what, like 60 yards rushing in the trenches? Yeah, they're just, I mean, that is, I thought all along, you know, if they can can somehow play that style and score points, and they did it a number of different ways in this game, that they're going to have a chance against USC. Uh, we're going to talk Big 12 championship. I, I just, I, to me, this is not team. These are these are now programs with Utah and Kansas State. There is nothing about Kansas State that says that program should be this good. They they have no advantages in Manhattan, Kansas. Yet here they are, Big 12 champions under Chris Kleiman. I, I'm just super impressed with the toughness with a backup quarterback and Will Howard in this game. And their ability to beat TCU, who was unbeaten, just very impressive. You know, people are going to talk about, well, TCU isn't this, or they're not that, and they got lucky, and whatever. TCU's got a great resume. They have five top 25 wins throughout the season. They played great. Yes, they won close, but you're going to need to win close. And you're going to need to get lucky at times to have a season like that, especially if you're TSU. They accomplished all those things. I thought way more about Utah and Kansas State in the mm. positive than I did USC and TCU in the negative in these games, even though we're talking about two, the two teams in the mix for the playoff with, with TCU and USC. Three stats that just are shocking to me about TCU. Uh, the Horned Frogs had won five games when trailing after halftime before losing this one. Uh, they're the first Big 12 team other than Oklahoma to actually make the college football playoff, which is crazy. And they're the first Big 12 team to complete a regular season undefeated since Texas in 2009. I mean, this what they've accomplished, even with the loss, is deserving of the college football playoff. Now, the other thing, the other factor here is they're not even close in this game, if not for their quarterback. Yeah. Doug, it was an, in, insanely great on this Saturday. Well, he had the 95-yard drive all on the ground with himself. Yeah, 15, 13, 19, 10. I mean, all these chunk yards. Uh, and and the, the reports of the injuries he was dealing with, we were kind of joking before the show about you know the heart surgery he had yeah. before the 2020 Crazy. season. And he's starting a month later, and then they're talking about the body contusions that he has, the abrasions all over his body in this game. I mean, he was like the bionic man out there on Saturday. It, it was incredible to watch uh, his perseverance. But that that drive, th- that was a Heisman-type defining drive. But even then, they still go on to lose right. in, in overtime and, and not win the Big 12 championship. Maybe the craziest of all those you know, stats you're throwing out there. First team from Texas to play in the playoff. Not A&M, not the Texas Longhorns, TCU. A, a private school with, I think, 9,000 students is the first to make the college football playoff out of that state. Georgia over LSU, 50-30. to 30. Uh, Georgia has this innate ability to just turn it on whenever they feel like it. It's impressive. Uh, I guess Oregon, 49-3. to 3. South Carolina, 48-7. to 7. Florida was 42-20 on a final score. Tennessee, 27-13. But in the second half, 
it didn't feel that close. And then LSU, well, there were times where you're looking up going, oh, here comes LSU. And then you see the score and it's like, man, this is uh, a far bigger deficit than what I thought based on how LSU scoring against this Georgia defense all of a sudden. Uh, another solid performance by the Bulldogs, and uh, rightfully so. They, they avenged their championship loss a year ago in the SEC, and I do feel like that was something they wanted uh, for, for the trophy case, for the mantle, because they've lost to LSU. Now they've lost to Bama. They turn around and win this one like they should. Well, Hunt, for our purposes, we were rooting for the cover in yes, this game because yeah. that's, that's what we picked, and it got close to happening. It was 17 and a half. They end up losing by 20. The game wasn't this that close, though. It was 35-7 yeah. in the first half. Now, early on, LSU has that nice drive early. They get a stop on Georgia, I think a three and out to start the game. LSU goes on a nice drive, the blocked field goal, hmm. and then Christopher Smith with the return. And the field goal was such a chip shot, I am convinced that LSU players on special teams just thought it was an Good. extra point. Oh, oh. No, it was blocked, so you can't return it for an extra oh, point. You're saying so they ran off the field because they basically snapped well, it from a similar spot to an extra point, and it's like they fooled themselves into believing that. Either way, dumb special teams play, and Christopher Smith probably waited because the ref could blow it dead as it's coming to a, a stop, and he waits over it almost like a a guy that's warming his hands by the fire. The last as that wobble. ball is shaking, right as it wobbles for the last time, he picks it up. Runs it back. Heads up play by Christopher Smith to Georgia. But I also thought he was really living dangerously because the rule is once it stops, play is dead. The officials would blow the play dead. It looked like it was stopped or coming to a stop as well, he picked it up. How about the coach up in the in the box? They showed the the, the video replay of his reaction. Yeah, where don't, he's, don't touch it. Yeah, don't he's touch trying it. to get the he, – he doesn't want the return. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, go. Take off. Um Crazy. Because he's so, assuming only bad things are going to happen because right. they're going to be ready for you to touch right. it, and then they're going to fumble. And Yeah, yeah. but, but it was so well coached there on, on, the, on the return. And, and Extremely smart Smith play. Was, Smith was awesome there. But even then, um, you know, it was the Kayshawn uh, Boutte touchdown to make it 7-7. Seven to seven. I'm thinking, okay, maybe well, LSU then, is going to have a counterpunch in this game, and then 28 straight from Georgia. Well, right after that touchdown, that was when Daniels hurt his ankle again. Yeah. You know, they, they he fell was, on his he ankle. Carter was, was on his ankle. ended up not playing. So, uh, looking at the results here lead us to the college football playoff, where now we get Ohio State, who didn't play this past week. Um, of course, they jump into the four spot, and it leads us to Georgia and Ohio State matched up at the Peach Bowl, and Michigan TCU out in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, this is an interesting matchup for the Bulldogs. Ohio State, I know, banged up against Michigan. But this is this is one of the what two programs, Chad? It would be Ohio State and Alabama that we would put on a. That's the list of teams that I think Georgia, if they had to pick, would not want to face. Right? You would rather face SC, for instance. Um, we we know that Injigba's not going to play in this game. He's going to try to get healthy for the NFL draft. That that official today. Um, but a healthier version of Ohio State is very intriguing for this matchup against Georgia because uh, the, the defense has been much better than last year. And while they were boat raced in the second half, you've got to feel like they get a second life here. Jim Knowles has been an upgrade as defensive coordinator. There's no doubt about it. I still look at this bracket and I just don't see Georgia losing. I, I do see a scenario where they're challenged in this game or, and they're challenged against Michigan. 
in the national championship game, if in fact it is the Wolverines getting past TCU, which I believe it will be, they could be challenged. But if you're someone that just doesn't want to see Georgia win a second straight national championship and set themselves up as the current Bama of college Mm. football, this is the best outcome, I believe, that Ohio State slides in instead of USC. I do think Ohio State has a better chance against Georgia to pull the upset than USC. Early lines, anywhere between four and six and a half, Georgia favored in this game. So, you know, and I, two, two fun brands and style of play to go head to head, though, in this, in this game, one versus four. And, and thinking about the matchup, too, I'm, I'm, I'm reminiscing to the game we went to Atlanta last year. And, and the last team to beat Georgia is Bama. And how do they do it? Well, they had a, at the time, Heisman Trophy finalist in Bryce Young. They had a run game that was very efficient. Um, and whenever they got going, they could control the time of possession and the clock. A defense that was opportunistic and that could get the ball back for you. But more than anything, they had dynamic receivers that could go up and make big plays when you needed chunk yardage. And Ohio State can do that. Like If you're looking for examples of the, the formula for how Bama beat Georgia, and again, we saw the rematch and it didn't matter. But that, that's, the, that's the formula. And it leads to a very interesting scenario here for Michigan and TCU, because I think Michigan is far better than TCU. And, you know, if for whatever reason Ohio State pulls the upset, hear me out here. Last week's topic was Ryan Day, right? Yep. And it's because of his record against Michigan. And we could see that rematch for the title and we know what Michigan's done in the trenches against this team the last two times out. Not going to be any more negative columns about Ryan Day if they win two games in this playoff. That's for sure. Especially if, if it's Michigan in the I'm national championship. If they game. lose to Michigan again, uh, think about it's going to come. It's going to come right there. back up. How can you beat Georgia, this undefeated defending national champion, SEC <laughs> champion, and then fall on your face and lose right. to Michigan for two times in one? You're right. That's going to be the narrative around Ryan Day. Let's get past Georgia first. I know. Before setting that up. I'm just trying to think of the storylines here. And we would have had that had they just had Ohio State three. But again, the committee will... They don't want the immediate rematch until the storyline is for the title. Which is fine. I'm fine with that. Um, Because I'm more intrigued about Georgia-Ohio State than I would be Georgia-TCU, for instance. So, one thing I'll say about Georgia-Ohio State, if you're looking for, okay, can Ohio State do this? Marvin Harrison Jr., to me, is the best weapon in this game he's the best offensive weapon in this football game for either team so could he be an x-factor now georgia was the one team to just man up against tennessee's great receivers and their offense and shut them down so there is a scenario where they could do that to marvin harrison jr too those dbs led by keely ringo may just be that good and they can shut him down as well but if you're looking for the possible upset, maybe, just maybe, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a big part of this game. And the, the, the Ohio State, in a weird way, is a mirror image of Georgia from last year. Because they came into the season, the one question was, can Georgia beat Bama? And the question about Ohio State was, can they get past Michigan? And the answer is no. Well, they've lost to Michigan. Georgia lost to Bama. They still get in the playoff. And now here we go. Could we see the, the a rematch again? Again, it takes a monumental upset in the best win of the season for Ohio State to do it. Um, and I'm with you, Chad. I'm not betting against Georgia here uh, because of just how great 
they are at every level, including their coaching staff. I don't think their coaching staff's losing a game here. Um, TCU, though, is interesting against Michigan because we haven't seen Michigan really break out of this shell offensively except for the last two weeks. And the question is, is TCU capable of playing a similar style of game like they did against Texas? Low scoring, grind it out. Because we know Michigan's fine with that. Michigan is a lot like Georgia in this ability to just turn it on. At, at yeah. any point, they need to do it. They did it in the second half. It's a close game. And then early second half, they start to just take off from Ohio State. They had a tricky game. I think they're behind at halftime against Rutgers this year. They end up blowing them out. There were a number of times where they were in a dogfight, and then second half comes around, mid-late third quarter, they just take off. And I think the same was for this game against Purdue. I, I see similarities there with Georgia, where they are a team that can just decide, hey, th- now's the time, and then they take off. So th- th- we got the, a, a fun playoff here. I, I think from a cross-sectional standpoint, the best outcome would have been USC to give you the West Coast flavor also, if I'm just looking at the entire country. But this is the best chance for Georgia not to repeat is what you get with this bracket right now with having to face up with Ohio State in round one. Here's your top 25 as it stands going into the bowl season and it sets up the New Year's Six Bowls as well. But uh, Alabama, first team out at five. Tennessee finishes six, followed by Clemson, Utah, Kansas State. SC falls to 10 after being at four. That's intriguing to me. Penn State ends up in the Rose Bowl at 11. And uh, Florida State, I mean, if you're if we're just looking for uh, the brands, Florida State and LSU, yeah, South Carolina finishes the season 19th. I mean, this this is um, and if you would have told me Oregon was going to finish 15th after Week One, I wouldn't have believed that either. But the 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 brands that we've been waiting to show a little life, Florida State and LSU are back and they they've got momentum now. And again, I'm throwing South Carolina in there too because of what they did and who they beat on the way to uh, to their bowl. I think Tennessee, with their prominence, SC, Florida State, those are three programs that I do think it is not a bad thing for the sport for all three of them to be in the top 15. But then what I really like about this, and I'm a little crazy when it comes to this type, I love that Utah and Kansas State are in the top 10, giving hope to a lot of programs out there that you too can do it. And... 12-team playoff, right. not too far away. There's a possibility. If there's a 12-team playoff, Oregon State's a couple spots out of that playoff. I think these are good things for the sport because it does. there's fatigue that settles in when it's always the same programs at the very top. And we have a lot of that this time. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama are four of the top mm-hmm. five teams. Not like they just fell off the, the map and the whole college football world has been put on its axis and now we've got – you know, all these teams that are in the top five. But still, it's nice to see Utah, Kansas State in there in the top ten. It's nice to see a Mississippi State in at number 22. Um, I, I think that's a good thing for the sport. And you're right also about South Carolina. That late uh, surge gets them in the top 20 in the final ranking. Yeah, and the 12-team playoff will ensure that we will see the best teams without argument playing for the title, right? Like, you you can still argue, are we seeing the best four teams in college football um, based on resume and conference schedule and what we've seen. Again, like 12 team, there's no argument here on the teams that would be in. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, we will uh, dive into Deion Sanders. 
who's now the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. A bit later, we'll dissect the New Year's Six Bowl games. Chad, we got our matchup. Tennessee Clemson. It's going to yeah. happen. Orange Bowl. It's a good one. Can't wait for that. We discuss Dion to Colorado, and then we'll dive into the NFL next on Outkick 360. Colorado gives Deion Sanders the largest financial package ever offered. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and signed by a coach for the Buffaloes program. Okay, 360, it rolls on. It's going to make about $5 million next season, and it also will be accompanied by a $5 million pool for coaches on his staff. And, uh, Chad, it's a, it's a lucrative bonus-filled contract for primetime. And, honestly, that's what you were lobbying Georgia Tech to do. Yeah. Colorado stepped up and did it with Rick George. Well, it, it, two programs, you look at Colorado and Georgia Tech, they were both great in the 80s and then the turn of the 90s. Uh, Colorado won a national championship, I think, in 1989, and we're close to it. Georgia Tech won it all in 1990. Bill McCartney, during that time at Colorado, the last really truly successful coach for the Buffaloes. Two programs at just the they were at the crossing point of, are we going to just go further into complete irrelevance or are we going to do something big? Georgia Tech elevated Brent Key as their head coach. Colorado hired Coach Prime, who's going to wear a gold chain on the sideline. Deion Sanders, 55-year-old pro football Hall of Famer that everyone knows, celebrity coach from the Aflac commercials with Nick Saban. He's the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes now. It's a great move. I mean, they could fall flat on their face, but I'm not going to criticize them because at least they tried and they made an effort. And Hutton, here's the thing I know about Deion Sanders. He's going to get players. Yes. The, he, he is... He will. I know we've got a video that, in regards to this. He's hoping most of this roster leaves in the transfer portal because he's going to replace each and every single one of them with guys out there who are probably contacting him or his son via social media right now that's interested in playing for Colorado. That wouldn't have happened if they went out there and hired you know, the next great FBS defensive coordinator. Here is uh, primetime. Deion Sanders uh, addressing the, the locker room, the roster, for the first time where he says, hey, hit the portal because we need the room for other guys coming in. We got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. And it's Louie. Okay. It ain't going to be no more of the mess that these wonderful fans, the student body, and some of your parents have put up with for probably two decades now. I'm coming. And when I get here, it's going to be changed. So I want y'all to get ready to go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're going to get. Because the more you jump in, the more room you make. Because we bring kids that are smart. Say that smart. Smart. Tough. Tough. Again, like, that's not your usual introduction to the team. 
He know? dropped Louis Vuitton yeah. in the in the message. I, I didn't Louis. catch that the first time. My, my luggage is Louis, by the way. <laughs> and no one reacted, so he just kept going. Okay, so we'll move on. Like, clearly, high fashion luggage doesn't interest you kids, so I'll I'll move on. I'm looking at the faces in, in the crowd and yeah. the, the reaction, and while everyone is listening to him and they're being attentive, I'm also probably seeing a lot of people that are going to transfer. <laughs> they already knew. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they know either they're getting replaced or they're going to want to go play somewhere else because they got no shot now uh, with Deion Sanders based on you know what's been going on at, at Colorado. It's a five-year deal. Uh, buyout is $8 million after year three. It's $15 million after year one, just to, to look around and look at that. Uh, his buyout at Jackson State, Chad, $300,000 is what Colorado will pay Jackson State for their head coach. So Colorado would probably pay Jackson State, what, 900000 to a million? Probably, to yeah. I mean, there? TSU is getting one and a half million to go to Notre Dame next September. So, yeah, I would like to see because Deion Sanders was big on uh, the pulpit of HBCUs and uh, their value and help it, helping them with his star power while he was the coach there. I really hope he puts his money where his mouth is and only schedules them as FCS opponents while he's at Colorado. He's going to have a big say over that. I know schedules are made out in advance, yeah. but I hope you start seeing Jackson State and Grambling in some of these schools on the Colorado schedule where some of that money he's making to buy that Louis, that Louis luggage, will then go back to the HBCUs that he just left in Jackson State. I'm not criticizing him for leaving. I mean, yeah. he, he did great things for Jackson State, but it would be cool to kind of pay that forward now, having gotten your start there. And I think he will have those opportunities to schedule that right yeah, like I, the, I would think so yeah and it makes sense for him to do it too because again you he's trying to build back the program with wins and you you can pad those numbers a bit there um and he says hey one thing we're going to do is win it may not be immediate i'm not going to put a timetable on it but we will win it's going to happen and it's hard to disagree with him as he enters the pac-12 hey, schedule i can tell you this i got a bag right here it's not louis it's not but it's still it's the cash. exact opposite still of the Definitely not. Chad doesn't believe in banks. I think I got this at Office Depot. Headlines next on Outkick 360.